Welcome to Mother Miriam Live on the Station of the Cross Catholic Radio Network with live video streaming brought to you by LifeSite News and the Station of the Cross. Call Mother with your questions at 1-877-511-5483 or email her at mother at thestationofthecross.com. You can view the live stream on Facebook at Mother Miriam Live. Now, here's Mother Miriam. Good morning, beloved family. Hello, dear ones. How are you doing? Are you fine? Are you well? Are you growing in your faith? Do you know that He is greater in you than He who is in the world? One of the best things you could probably do is, I'm not going to tell you to stop listening to the news altogether, but spend less time on it. Spend less time on the Internet, except for what is good and holy and pure, and learn the faith and teach it to your children. If your children are grown and out of the home, whether they uh, know the faith or not, you can get together as a family now, perhaps, and uh, pray at night, pray the rosary together. Um, uh, Help your grandchildren to know the faith. Help your neighbors to know the faith. Um, um, Anybody, anybody. We have... I don't know how much time we have left. Um, it's, I don't, I'm not saying we have two weeks left, but we are um, approaching very dangerous times uh, in America. And, um, oh, I, I don't know what to call it within the church. It's certainly dangerous, um, but it do, need not be for us. This is a time, it's not the only time in history where the lay people... Are, have been the cause of the survival of the faith, but ultimately God is. He said, I'm building my church. The gates of hell will not prevail against it, so we don't live in any fear at all. Um, teach it to your children. Let them know who they are. Let them know whose they are. And again, I said this yesterday, if they're taken from you, because it's already happening in this country, um, they'll know They'll know who they are in Christ. They'll know that they are God's people who he will never leave or forsake. That doesn't mean he won't allow us to come under persecution. The very first Christians, um, the first century, uh, the first Christians who were Jews because Christianity is a Jewish faith, came straight from um, the uh, straight from Israel, straight from the 12 tribes of Israel, the po- prophets, um, and um, apostles, all Jewish, and through the tribe of Judah and the family of David was the Messiah born for the Jewish people, through whom he came, but for the entire world. The entire world is not plan B. It's all plan A, that God would give a redeemer to the world. There's only one Savior, there's one God, and there's one Lord Jesus Christ, one Father, one Son, one Holy Spirit, who together are one God. I know that doesn't add up mathematically, but we have a blessed trinity, a tri-unity. God is a tri-unity, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And he doesn't become God at one point and then become the Son, that's modalism, it's a heresy, and then become the Holy Spirit. He is three persons, three divine persons in one God. And each God is a person, 
and has the attributes of personality. The Holy Spirit is a person, um, and the Son and the Father, and together the one God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. There is no other God, um, and there is no single individual in the world whom God has willed to be outside the Catholic Church. He has not willed other religions. He formed a people for himself through whom he brought the Savior of the world that everyone should come to the faith that God has given, not that man has invented. So the Catholic Church is the church, is the bark of salvation, and there's no other name under heaven by which we must be saved, must be saved. Acts chapter 4, verse 12. No other name under heaven by which we must be saved than Jesus Christ. Um, We are going to continue, dear ones, in um, Canon Ripley's uh, wonderful work, This is the Faith. Um, And we're going to pick up where we left yesterday, which is the section that says we must love God. This is the section on God, and um, there are several sections here. Let me see. And about God is the first section, and we are there yet. And it says we must love God. Man's highest activity is love, and there is no nobler object of his love than God. So the first and greatest commandment is thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with thy whole heart, with thy whole soul, and with thy whole mind. Nothing is more important than that. St. Augustine said, we quoted yesterday, Would that I had as many hearts as there are grains of sand in the depths of the seas to love thee with, O God. Love alone maketh heavy burdens light. This is right imitation of Christ. Love alone maketh heavy burdens light. I'm just backing up a couple of paragraphs from where we left off. And beareth in like balance things pleasant and unpleasant. It beareth a heavy burden and feeleth it not. Not When you love someone, dear ones, um, you would sacrifice for them. Uh, but when you love them deeply, without condition, without bounds, what you do for them is no longer sacrifice because it's what your heart most desires. It's no longer sacrifice. And so love alone maketh heavy burdens light, and beareth in like balance things pleasant and unpleasant. It beareth a heavy burden, and it feeleth it not, and maketh bitter things to be savory and sweet. Nothing is sweeter than love, nothing higher, nothing stronger, nothing larger, nothing more joyful, nothing fuller, nor anything better in heaven or in earth, for love descendeth from God and may not rest finally in anything lower than God. End quote from the imitation of Christ. So many men today expect God to tolerate from them contempt, insubordination, disobedience, and neglect, such as they would never tolerate from their own children, God asks, if then I be a father, where is my honor? And if I be a master, where is my fear? That is God speaking through the prophet Malachi. Failure to love God can only result in tragedy for the individual, either in this world or in the next. 
and someone says, can't I do what I like with my own life? What a frequent objection that is, and how silly. Um, I'm, I'm repeating this illustration from yesterday. At a beach sand building competition, a boy and a girl had finished a magnificent castle when they wandered around to look at the efforts of the other children. On returning, they found that another boy had occupied their castle and was adding what he considered to be improvements. What are you doing? That's our castle, they exclaimed. No, it's mine. You left it and I found it. But it's our castle. What do you mean yours? It's our castle. We made it. And we can do what we like with it because we made it. Of course, everybody said the boy and girl were right. The intruder was turned out and they won the prize. God made me out of nothing. And so I belong to him. I'm his castle. I am his to do with what he likes. Thus, life is not our own, dear ones. God made us. God owns us. I know many people don't like that. I love it. I love that God owns me. I don't want anyone else to own me, and I don't want to own myself because I've already made a mess of my life, and I know how to do that. But I don't know how to become a saint without God's grace. So I go back to the reading here. Thus, life is not our own. God made us. God owns us. We have no rights against God. He has the right to lay down all the conditions as to how we must use the life he has given us. We are not our own property. We belong to God. He has the right to do just what he likes with us. And yesterday, um, we summed up the duties that we have toward God, adoration, contrition, and thanksgiving, um, and then supplication. It, it's the acrostic acts, A-C-T-S. Adoration, we owe him adoration because he is goodness itself, and we owe him our homage and love. Contrition, when we have sinned, we have not been good to God, and we must tell him we are sorry. Thanksgiving for all he has done for us and will continue to do for us as we owe him our profound thanks and supplication because we are totally dependent on his graces to be or to do good. We need to pray to him for these graces and aids. Remember Jesus said, apart from me, you can do nothing. God wants our loving service. He has made us free in order to love him or reject him. Dearest, it's an amazing thing. He gives us the freedom to reject him. He does not want the service of a human machine. We are able to resist his rights, but of course it is wrong for us to do so. Another name for resistance to God is sin. It may appear to give temporary happiness, but in the end, Sin is what takes us from our Maker, and it can only bring us sorrow. There's the music for our first break, beloved. And at the second break, it will begin our half hour for your calls, your questions, your texts, anything that's on your heart. You can call in at any time, uh, toll free, at 1-877-511-5483, or email at mother at thestationofthecross.com We'll be right back.
This is a segment about small Catholic innovations that made a huge impact from the OSV Institute for Catholic Innovation. Back when water was difficult to purify, beer was actually the standard drink because the fermentation process killed harmful bacteria. But it wasn't all that tasty and didn't last very long. This is where Catholics upped the ante with two major contributions. The first came from monasteries, where monks needed heartier beers to get them through long periods of fasting. So they experimented with flavorings and techniques to make it more robust. The second contribution came from St. Hildegard von Bingen. She's the first person credited with using hops in beer to preserve it. And it didn't hurt that hops added great flavors, too. So you can thank Catholic Innovation for beer. Learn more about what OSV Institute is doing to inspire and encourage Catholic innovation at osvinstitute.com. We stand at a crossroads in history. We can stand up for life, family, and a Christian culture, or we can stand idly by while the fabric of society becomes fundamentally anti-life, anti-family, and anti-Christian, slowly leading to its own demise. LifeSite News is the leading defender of life, family, and Christian culture. Through our news reporting, we seek to educate readers with information and zeal. They need to fight the most crucial battles of our day. And we need your help to continue that mission. You can support LifeSite News by following our social media pages on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Another way to support LifeSite is to prayerfully consider becoming a Sustained Life monthly donor to help us continue to save lives in the culture. To donate, visit give.lifesitenews.com forward slash sustained life. Our staff of over 40 and millions of future generations, thank you for helping to save the culture. Welcome to Mother Miriam Live on the Station of the Cross Catholic Radio Network with live video streaming brought to you by LifeSite News and the Station of the Cross. Call Mother with your questions at 1-877-511-5483 or email her at mother at thestationofthecross.com. Welcome back, beloved, to Mother Miriam Live. Um, we are going to continue with This is the Faith. Um, we need to know our faith, beloved, and we need to live our faith. Um, we need to preach the gospel, as St. Francis of Assisi said, um, in season and out season, and not always by word, but always by our actions. If our actions contradict what we say, uh, we do more damage. Uh, it would almost be better if we didn't say it. If you teach your children the faith and you don't live it, uh, well, Mommy, uh, you told us that God wants us to do this, but you and Daddy don't do it. That's pretty bad. That's pretty bad because your children will learn what they see, not what they hear. If you love God, they will learn to love God. If you love each other, they will learn what love it is. Archbishop Chap, who said that the the greatest gift a father could give his children is to love their mother. And the reverse, the greatest gift a mother could give her children is to love their father. Because children learn what they see. If they see love, they will learn love. And they will feel secure. You can shower them with all kinds of gifts, take them shopping, do everything. Um, they'll like that momentarily, but that will not teach them love, and there won't be love in their hearts. 
There will only be love in their hearts when they see love, when children see love between a father and mother. When they see them hugging each other in the kitchen and the father planting a kiss on the cheek of his wife and um, truly loving and sacrificing for one another, then the children will see true love and they will feel secure. Outside of that, they will not. St. Augustine says, Thou hast made us for thyself, O Lord, and our hearts are restless until they rest in thee. We must dedicate to God all our being, our intelligence, by striving to know him more and more, especially through prayer, and our will by daily increasing in love for him, which is proved by our obedience to his commandments and the other manifestations of his will. St. John Vianney, the curé of ours who lived in the 18th century, was walking through the fields one spring day with a friend. The trees were full of birds, and the air was full of their singing. The curé stopped to listen. Ah, little birds, he said, you were created to sing, and you are singing. Man was created to love God, and he does not love him. We begin now chapter 2, whose title is, What is Man? What is man? Why did God make you? Now, if you've uh, been taught by the Baltimore Catechism, you're going to know the answer to that. God made me to know him, to love him, and to serve him in this world, and to be happy with him forever in the next. Your children, dearest ones, should know that word for word. Word for word. They may, they're may they never going to fully understand it the rest of their life, nor do we. we. We keep learning. We never stop learning. We never stop growing. But if if they can say God made me to know him, to love him, to serve him in this world, and to be happy with him forever in the next, they can check their life against that statement from a three-year-old to, to a, a senior citizen. I, what's my purpose in life? I feel like I have no purpose. I'm just wandering. Well, why did God make you? Well, he made me to know him and to love him and to serve him in this world and to be happy with him forever in the next. But I don't know him that well. And I don't know if I love him. And I don't know that I serve him. I said, well, what are you doing right now? Well, I'm watching television. Well, is that going to help you to know God, to love him and to serve him? That's why you exist. Well, not really, but I'm taking time out. Well, you're going to fall greatly because you are doing what God has not made you to do. A train on the track, one little train, if it could talk, would say, I'm bored. I just keep going back and forth on this track. I don't like it. There's a whole world to explore. Get me off this track. And he complains enough where finally the train maker puts him off the track onto the grass. And now he cannot move at all. He cannot move outside of why he was created. Put him back on the track, and he has the freedom to be who he is. And so us, if we're not happy, if we're not fulfilled, it's because we are not seeking to know God. Well, how do you get to know him? Well, if you have a friend, and they write you letters, and you write them letters... You get to know them through their letters. If you fall in love and your beloved sends you a letter, you read it ten times. 
and then you put it in the drawer and you go to sleep and you get up three in the morning and you read it again because it's from the one you love and who loves you and you learn more about him or her. And so with God. God wrote us his love letter. And his love letter, dear ones, is this Bible. Let me see if I can find. Hold on now. See if I can find the, how I could put this up to the camera. You see that Bible? This Bible. Can you see that? It is taped. It is an absolute mess. It's someone once said that a Bible that's falling apart usually belongs to somebody who's not. So there. You read the love letter from God. It's for you. And it tells you two things. It tells you about him who gave his life for you. And it tells you about you in relationship to God. To whose image and likeness did God made you? To whose image and likeness did God make you? And the answer is what? Don't let your children say his own image and likeness. Let them answer in full sentences. Otherwise, they'll forget what the answer relates to. God made me to his own image and likeness. Is this likeness to God in your body or in your soul? Don't let anybody say, my soul, don't do that. Full answer. This likeness to God is chiefly in my soul. How is your soul like to God? My soul is like to God because it is a spirit and is immortal. What do you mean when you say your soul is immortal? And the child will say, I don't know. (laughs) But you're going to teach the child to answer. When I say my soul is immortal... I mean that my soul can never die. Can never die. You can discuss that with your children. If something will never die, what does it do? It lives. And if it never dies, it lives forever. Of which must you take most care then? Of your body or your soul? And the answer, I must take most care of my soul. For Christ has said... What doth it profit a man if he gain the whole world and suffer the loss of his own soul? I'm going to say, dear ones, I wish all the priests and bishops of the world would go back to the Baltimore Catechism. What does it profit a man if he gain the whole world and suffer the loss of his own soul? I must take care of my soul more than my body. Forget COVID, bishops. Forget priests, forget, we're, we're not asking you, we have doctors, we're not asking you to take care of our souls, we need, our bodies rather. We need you to save our souls. We need you to teach us the faith. Let us take care of our bodies and to forbid us from attending Holy Mass because we're not vaccinated, because we don't have a vaccinated uh, ID card or passport or current proof that we've been tested. Um, I tell you, if you forbid us to go to Mass for that reason, it is demonic. It is demonic. Let us die from COVID and spend eternity in heaven rather than live 20 years more on this ill, evil earth, and spend eternity in hell. The next question, is there any likeness to the Blessed Trinity in your soul? And the answer, there is this likeness to the Blessed Trinity in my soul, 
that as in one God, there are three persons. So in my one soul, there are three powers. Really? Three powers in my soul? Which are the three powers of your soul? The three powers of my soul are my memory, my understanding, and my will. You say to your child, what are the three powers of your soul? Don't let them say memory, understanding, and will. The three powers of my soul are my memory, my understanding, and my will. That's how we are made in the likeness of God, who is a trinity. Man is a creature of God. He has a body and a soul. The latter, the soul, made to God's image and likeness, in that it is a spirit, is immortal, and is endowed with intelligence and free will. Soul is not just another word for spirit, beloved. This is very important. Soul is not just another word for spirit. Animals have souls, but their souls are not spirits. Only man's soul is a spirit. In man is the only kind of soul that is also a spirit. Soul is defined as the principle of life in a living body. God created Adam and he breathed into him and Adam became a living spirit. Soul is defined as the principle of life in a living body. Angels, therefore, are not souls. They do not animate a body. Angels don't have bodies. They're pure spirits. But animals have souls, which, however, are material and not immortal. The human soul is defined as the ultimate internal principle which animates our bodies and by which we feel, think, and will. I'll repeat that. A human soul is defined as the ultimate internal principle which animates our bodies and by which we feel, think, and will. A human person is a union, a union of soul and body. Although the human soul is a spiritual substance capable of existing by itself, as we know from Revelation, that it does so exist between physical death and the resurrection of the body when we die, Our body dies, but our spirit does not. It does not. Our spirit goes to be with God, made purgatory or wherever our destination is. A human person is a union of soul and body. Although the human soul is a spiritual substance, capable of existing by itself, as we know from Revelation, that it does so exist between physical death and the resurrection of the body. It has a natural aptitude and even need to exist in a body. It needs to exist in a body. In this life, the body cannot perform a single action independently of the soul, nor can the soul do anything independently of the body. Souls are not inherited. Each is a distinct creation of God and is united with the body at the time of conception. There's the music for our second break. Beloved, feel free to call in with anything on your heart. Toll free, 1-877-511-1111. 
888-528-5483. We'll be right back. The future of the family is grim. As Our Lady of Fatima said, the final battle will be for the family. It truly seems as though we're in the heat of this final battle and we need your help. Our mission at LifeSite News is to educate and activate readers with the information they need to defend life and the family and restore Christian culture. We are currently the most popular pro-life website on the internet with over 40 million unique users every year. And we've been experiencing an even bigger reach than ever this year. But we need your help to reach more of the 7.7 billion people on earth if we are to truly succeed in changing the culture. Please consider donating to help our mission of promoting the culture of life and fearless defenders of the faith like Mother Miriam. Visit give.lifesite.news.com to give today. Thank you for your support. Prayer of Deliverance. Almighty God and Father, we beg Thee through the intercession and help of the Archangels, St. Michael, Raphael, and Gabriel, for the deliverance of our brothers and sisters who are enslaved by the evil one from anxiety, sadness, and obsessions. We implore Thee, deliver us, O Lord. From hatred, fornication, and envy. We implore Thee, deliver us, O Lord. From thoughts of jealousy, rage, and death. We implore Thee, deliver us, O Lord. From every thought of suicide and abortion. We implore Thee, deliver us, O Lord. From every form of sinful sexuality. We implore Thee, deliver us, O Lord. From every division in our family and every harmful friendship. We implore Thee, deliver us, O Lord. From every sort of spell, malefice, witchcraft, and every form of the occult. We implore Thee, deliver us, O Lord. Thou who said, Peace I leave with you, my peace I give unto you, grant that through the intercession of the Virgin Mary we may be liberated from every demonic influence and enjoy Thy peace always. In the name of Christ our Lord, amen. Welcome to Mother Miriam Live on the Station of the Cross Catholic Radio Network with live video streaming brought to you by LifeSite News and the Station of the Cross. Call Mother with your questions at 1-877-511-5483 or email her at mother at thestationofthecross.com. Welcome back, beloved, to Mother Miriam Live. This is our half hour. Uh, all to ourselves, and you're welcome to call in with anything on your heart. Toll-free 1-877-511-5483 or email at mother at the station of the cross dot com. Um, you know, for some reason, I am having trouble um, getting your questions uh, up on my little computer here. Um, I wonder if there's another way for us to do this. I'm having compute. I think we're having internet problems at the moment. I'm going to talk to the station while we're while we're holding on. James, um, I wonder if there's any way for you to either email me with the questions, just cut and paste, or give me the first one over the air, over the microphone. I'm not able to. Okay, good. All right. Um, all right, James is as wonderful as you, um, an engineer, and um, I don't know what else he does. He's chief bottle washer and cook. He knows so much. Um, so our my call screen is not coming up right now. We're having internet problems, um, and I think it's it's 
often we have them here in in our little Beloit. Um, So I'm going to wait, and James is going to send me... um, send me some questions. You know what I'll do while he's doing that is, let me see now, um, I'll continue to read another paragraph of where we are in um, This is the Faith. Now, if you call in, I don't need a call screen. You can just talk to me. Um, but if it's, if it's written, then we need a call screen. So what we ended with is that in this life, the body cannot perform a single action independently of the soul, nor can the soul do anything independently of the body. Souls are not inherited. Each is a distinct creation of God and is united with the body at the time of conception. Let me just see. No, not yet. Okay. I am looking for emails. James, maybe let me know when you've sent something and I'll look for it. You just sent one. Okay, we'll we'll wait for a moment. Okay, let me continue a paragraph um, while the Internet is sending that that email. Again, if you call in, we don't have to wait because we'll be live and I can speak with you. Um, Man has a spiritual soul. There is an obvious difference between a living human body and a corpse. We know that. That difference is the soul. It is the soul which prevents a living body from doing the only thing a corpse can do, which is return to dust. There must be a principle of operation behind every activity. In man, there must be a principle which thinks and wills. That principle cannot be a mere chemical. Otherwise, doctors and scientists would be able to discover it. Yet it is something, a spiritual soul, which is beyond the reach of chemical analysis. A material principle could not have spiritual operations. Man's soul has spiritual operations. Therefore, it cannot only be material. Okay, let me see now. Um... James has sent um, some questions here. Um, We have an email from someone who writes it anonymously and says, Dear Mother Miriam, thank you for speaking so boldly about all the current news. I have not heard anyone else that is Catholic speak about how evil things can become, especially when it has to do with the vaccines. It seems that non-Catholic Christians are much more aware about the end times and reading the signs. Well, it depends on uh, to whom you listen. Um, uh, If if LifeSite News, uh, which is my number one source of news, is is your source of news, you will hear many things um, beyond what non-Catholic Christians have said as well. Um, But we learn from one another. Uh, this uh, woman writes my husband and I believe the vaccines are evil and will not take them even if it means losing jobs, food, etc my heart is now very saddened because I heard two very faithful Catholics on a radio station speak against this they said that they will not take the vaccine but if they had to choose to keep a job that provides for their family or have their children taken away They would just take the jab. 
This just seems to contradict itself and is causing me some confusion. Well, it does contradict itself, but don't be confused. You're right. It is contradictory. If we let the government uh, continue to threaten us to the point that we give in, there's no point because evil knows it's just a matter of time before they'll get us. Do we have principles? Yes, up to a point. Yeah. And, and we're afraid of persecution. We're afraid of the consequences of where we stand and we give in. She writes, the government is going to threaten people in order for them to take the vaccine. So why even fight it now if you're going to give in later? I didn't even read that, and I already said it. I agree with you. Mother, please give me more insight on this issue. My husband and I are planning our family situation accordingly because we see the evil that is coming and want to be prepared. We do not know anyone else doing this, especially Catholics. Most people think we are extreme and that things will go back to normal eventually. Thank you and God bless you, Anonymous. You are right. You are not alone. You might be alone in your neighborhood or your friends or, I don't know, even your parish. But you are certainly not alone. You must be prepared. And... um, Um, the people, I think, who are extreme are those who are leaving their lives to chance and to the unknown. We need to be responsible. We need to prepare to protect our families and ourselves with food, with learning how to live without electricity, whatever it's going to take. When other people come against you, do not let it Uh, be confusing. Don't let confusion, that's the enemy's ploy, don't let confusion enter in. Stay steadfast where you are. You can check something else out. You can check out what people are saying, but don't let it weaken or confuse your stance unless you are convinced that the other opinion is right. We have an email from James who says, Hello, Mother. I was married in the Catholic Church. My wife and I were living together right up until we got married. My wife was raised Catholic, though not truly practicing. At the time of our marriage, I was Protestant, but have since converted. My wife, as I said, really wasn't practicing a practicing Catholic and hence believed it was okay to cohabitate. However, leading up to our marriage, I had studied the Catholic faith and knew it was a sin to cohabitate. But prior to marrying, I made the excuse that God would be okay with us getting married, even though we were living together. In fact, at the time, I remember thinking that the priest did not ask us if we were living together and that he really didn't want to know. I tell you what, That priest, when he stands before God, will be accountable. Shame on him. He was in sin. Grave, grave sin. Because you were living in sin. And he let it happen. And he married you. Shame on any priest who could care less about the souls of his flock. And he says, I feel like I brushed all this to the side and got married. I cannot say that on the day I got married, I thought I was trying to do something evil. Also, my wife and I had a somewhat unspoken but preconceived notion that we would have a specific number of children. 
We didn't specifically talk about it as a condition of the marriage. However, I believe that if I went back in time and said that I wanted more children than what she envisioned, that my wife would not have agreed. You see? And if you get married in the Catholic Church, you agree to be open to life. You don't plan the number of children you have. And he says this. My question is this. Does any of this make my marriage invalid? Is, is my marriage still valid and sacramental? To complicate things, my wife still does not see anything wrong with the fact that we lived together before marriage and we now have two children as well. Well, then your wife may be Catholic in name and truly not Catholic, and that is a bigger problem. If your wife sees no problem with the fact that you lived together before marriage, I will tell you she is not Catholic, no matter what she claims, whether she goes to church every Sunday or not. Um, both of you need to go to confession on that, and you need to confess your sin that you were living together. Of course, your wife will not, because she sees nothing wrong with it. You now have two children. Um, if my marriage, he writes, is invalid, what do I need to do to make sure my wife, children, and myself are pointed on the road to heaven? Any comments would be appreciated. God bless you. You need to go to, maybe you have, but you need to go to confession um, for being in sin uh, when you married. And you need to say that, tell um, your priest that your wife, though you were married in the Catholic Church, still does not understand that cohabitation outside of marriage is a sin. So if she doesn't understand it, she's not going to confess it. Um, and if she does not understand that, I wonder if you're using contraception. Um, and so um, what you need to do is sit down with your wife and read from the catechism what is the Catholic way of marriage. Not to live together, not to cohabitate, not to be intimate at all, no contraception before or after marriage, zero. And read it right from the catechism, very calmly, with a warm heart to her, and say, honey, I didn't know this myself, but I know it now, and God holds us accountable not for what we don't know, even though there's a certain amount of accountability that we should have known, and the priest that married us was in sin himself for having done so without caring about our souls. He'd say to her, but sweetheart, I know it now. I do believe it, and I want us to be on the road to heaven. Are you able to assent to these things? simply because it's not an opinion, it's not my opinion, it's not Catholic opinion, it's what the Church teaches. And if we live outside of what the Church teaches, we are in sin. And if your wife hopefully says, well, I never knew that, and you say, well, that's, that's one thing that we never knew it, our accountability is less. But we still, sin is sin, whether we know it or not. We both need to go to confession and confess the sin. And if we've used contraception, we need to confess that too. And then we need to go to a good, holy priest, tell him our situation, tell him that we've been to confession or go to confession with him. 
and ask him to raise our marriage to the level of a sacrament if it was inhibited, if the sacrament was inhibited because we were living in sin. Uh, It would have been getting married in the Catholic Church, a sacramental marriage, but the sacraments are not automatic. If we're living in sin, the grace of the sacraments can be withheld. So go to a holy priest, tell him your situation, work it out with your wife, please God, and go to the priest. Confess, be right with God, and have your marriage marriage, um, raised to the level of the sacrament. Repeat your marriage vows so this time you will understand them and mean them. We'll be right back after the break, beloved. Don't go away. You and still toll free one eight seven seven five one one five four eight three, or email at mother at the station of the cross dot com. We'll be right back. beloved this is mother miriam how would you like to wake up each morning to inspiring sermons from knowledgeable and faith-filled priests you can tune in to sermons for everyday living every day at 6 a.m eastern on the station of the cross you can listen on the station of the cross.com or anytime on the free iCatholic radio mobile app god bless you There's so much confusion in our world today over what love is. By displaying a Catholic Radio bumper magnet on your car, you'll help others understand love as designed by God. Order your free bumper magnets at thestationofthecross.com. We'd be happy to send bumper magnets for your listening area so that others can come to know the Lord. That's thestationofthecross.com. Thank you for sharing Catholic Radio on the road. Love learning more about the church, but confused or disheartened by the struggles we are facing today? Follow LifeSite News Catholic on Facebook, Twitter, or sign up for LifeSite Catholic emails. And stay up to date on the constant stream of news about the Catholic Church. Our church is in a time of crisis, and we as laity have a responsibility and a duty to educate ourselves and stay true to the faith. LifeSite News Catholic is dedicated to keeping the laity informed and educated. To follow us, go to Facebook or Twitter and search LifeSite News Catholic. As Mother Miriam always says, we must live as if it were true. Welcome to Mother Miriam Live on the Station of the Cross Catholic Radio Network with live video streaming brought to you by LifeSite News and the Station of the Cross. Call Mother with your questions at 1-877-511-5483 or email her at mother at thestationofthecross.com. Welcome back, beloved, to Mother Miriam Live. This is our last segment together, a little more than 10 minutes. And again, you are welcome to call in. Our lines are wide open, toll-free 
511-548-5483 or email at mother at thestationofthecross.com. We have an email from Melissa. Melissa writes, good morning, Mother. Hope you are doing well and in good spirits. Thank you, Melissa. Your talks are a light in the darkness. My question, she says, we have two innocent boys, ages eight and nine, whom we have shielded from gravely sinful, scandalous situations in our family and almost all sexuality exposure from the culture. About two years ago, we had to draw the line on contact with one of my brother's based on his life choices. The backstory is, we were all baptized Catholic, but not raised in the faith. Both of my brothers are divorced, not annulled. One of my brothers bought a house with his girlfriend about two years ago. They started dating before she was officially divorced, but I kept silent. They would go on vacations together. I stayed silent. I was able to keep that from my son's eyes and ears, but after buying the house with her and living there with her and her children, I could no longer mind my business. We live in different states, so this is not in our face all the time, but we would have get-togethers and video calls. I felt as a sister and mother I had no choice but to confront it. As I'm reading this, dear one, I I wish you had spoken up right from the beginning. It's no love on our part when any sibling or or anyone in our family or anyone we claim to love is living in sin and we stay silent. There is no love on our part toward them. We must not stay silent in the face of sin, especially for someone we love. Um... She writes, we live in different states, so this is in our face all the time, but we could, uh, we have get-togethers and video calls. I felt as a sister and mother, I had no choice but to confront it. My husband and I did not see any other choice, and silence isn't helping anyone. What would they say if or when they got married and we could not go? We had to address it. I called him to express our ground rules, that he is welcome in our home, but we cannot have her and her children. I'm a little confused here because um, I thought it was they were their children um, living there with her and her children. Kept side. They would go on vacations together, able. Okay, so he bought a house with this woman, this girlfriend, who already had children. Okay. Um, We cannot talk about her and her kids in front of my kids. We cannot have her and this living situation on display in any manner in front of our kids. That means no video calls where she or the kids are participating or could accidentally reveal the adulterous living situation. I warned him that he is in grave danger, committing a multitude of serious sins and in front of our children. He has two special needs children also. I told him that he is confusing them, leading them astray, and deeply hurting them. His children see this woman's kids get their dad all the time. Now I'm confused. His children, meaning your brother's children, 
I don't know if he has children apart from the woman's children or if he has children with the woman. His children see this woman's kids get their dad all the time while they only see him on weekends. Oh, okay, so apparently he's divorced and he sees his children on weekends and the children who see him, they just get their dad on weekends, but if they come to the house... Um, his uh, stepchildren, so to speak, have their dad all the time. My heart breaks for them. They see him living in adultery, fornication. I don't know who they is now. They see him living in adultery, fornication, sacrilege of the Eucharist if he receives, bigotry if they do get married, possibly apostasy. I warned him that these things are so bad, even evil, This is not true happiness, and he knows better. Silence in the face of grave sin and scandal is not charity. So while my words may have been hard, it was the truth about the danger he is in and the harm he is doing to many. However, our children will not be exposed to it. I encouraged him not to look at the church's requirements as judgmental and mean, but to seek the annulment and confession to heal the wounds of his last marriage before he starts a new relationship. Oh, there's much here. I'll just finish the email. Um, After, you know, I think about, I, I don't know how you said these things to him, and whether you've said them to him and his wife. Um, I think about our Lord. You know, they they obviously were not practicing Catholics. Um, I don't know where his girlfriend stands in the faith. Yes, they're living in sin. But I think how God came into our world and became one of us, came alongside us, lived with us in order to bring us to heaven. And I think that might be a measure of love here. Their situation, if you condemn them, if you uh, come across, tell them all these things harshly, they will believe it's your faith, but they probably will be paralyzed to do anything about it. Only love converts hearts. Only love. And so... um, uh, to help them in their situation, uh, to love, to love them, to let them feel loved, and help them to write their situation would be a good thing. Um, and she writes, after that call, I would never get responses to my texts or emails. <clears throat> That's understandable. Uh, if you came at them that harshly uh, with all of that, um, then uh, we speak the truth, the scriptures say, but we speak the truth in love. And if you came at them with those words and that harshly, when they can't receive anything like that because their hearts aren't open yet or knowledgeable, um, you will have built a wall. She writes, a short while after the call, I sent invitations to my son's first Holy Communion, which was during the lockdowns, via a group email. Instead of simply not responding or replying that they cannot make it, both my brothers responded by attacking me. I don't blame them. If you say that you can come into our home, but not the woman that you're living with, 
not who uh, and her children. Uh, you consider yourself a family. We have nothing to do with them. We can't have you in our home. Then what are they going to do when you invite them to your son's holy first Holy Communion? Why should they even care? If you don't care about their lives and their marriage, which is how they would translate your response, and you're inviting them in a group, email, nothing personally, nothing saying we both would like you, we would like you both to come, all of that. She says, they asked me why I would invite them when I thought my brother was such a bad person and unfit to be in our children's presence. Um, That was a complete misrepresentation misrepresentation of our boundary setting rules but you see they wouldn't understand that they shouldn't be your rules they should be god's truth i think we need to take this tomorrow again this email and i think you need to have a conversion of heart of love in order to help save your brothers god bless all of you and we'll speak with you tomorrow god willing